Thank you for joining us for COSAM Talks, Episode 3. This month's guest is Lori Scott, a graduate student in the Department of Physics. What was it like to work with the International Space Station? So it was really cool to interact with the space station. Um, so basically the whole day we were in there, and so we got to watch another person's experiment, so we kind of got to figure out how this whole process was actually going to work, so it was nice to kind of like just observe first. And so basically our experiment is, it starts off with the astronauts, well, cosmonaut, um, he starts the experiment off, and then the rest of it we run from ground, so we have full control over everything we need to do with it. Now, what kind of things were you controlling? Pressure, current, voltages, all typical physics experiment type controls. Um, so most of it, the main thing we controlled was where the cameras were. So the big difference was on the ground, the dust clouds come in as one big cloud. And then on microgravity, in microgravity, they ended up separating into three or four clouds, so we had to quickly pick which cloud we wanted to focus our experiment on. Um, so the, all of the data is still there from like the full view picture, but that's not a really good resolution. So we had to focus in on one cloud, and we had to like pick which one that was. So the main thing we were playing around with was camera settings. The rest of it was like predetermined in the script that we had written in Munich in May. So basically, you went to France, you mm -hmm. were able to interact with cosmonauts on the International Space Station, and then you were able to actually work on the experiment. Mm -hmm. As a student, what kind of experience is that for you? Like, the most crazy scientific experience I could have. It was so cool. Um, like, how many students get to say their PhD project is on the space station? Like, that's amazing. And I don't know, it's... Like, half the time I don't even think about it because, oh, it's just my project. Like, everybody has a project. But then, like, when I take a step back, I'm like, wait, but space. Yeah, yeah. that's pretty cool. That's pretty amazing. Absolutely. And now, when you were getting everything there, was it any different from all the planning and work you did to when you actually got there? And then you were like, oh, wow, this is real. <laughs> yeah, so the first day we walked in, and you could just – so – as Americans, since it's European, we were not allowed into the control room except for our experiment, but they have live streams that we can watch in the conference room right next door. So it was still pretty cool. Um, and so watching the live streams, you could hear the astronauts talking. Um, you could hear the various mission controls talking to each other. You could see the astronaut schedules for the day on a screen. Like, there was just so much going on. It was like, wait, this is all actually happening. Like, it was surreal the first day. And then the day of our experiment, it was actually, like, really, I don't know, it was cool, but also, like, intimidating. Like, oh, it's finally at this point, like, this is where half of my PhD project is coming from, all happening in one day, versus, like, most PhD projects, you work on it for months, and mine's, I mean, there was background work I've been working on for months, but to have one day of data, that's really just 40 minutes of data. It's pretty interesting that's and unique, I guess. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, tell us a little bit more in detail about your PhD project. Mm -hmm. What is the actual project of your dissertation? Okay, so my project is looking at um, thermal energy in dusty plasmas, complex plasmas. So, stepping back, complex plasmas are plasmas with dust particles in it. Um, the complex plasma field started with um, 
industry, um, what is it, microchip etching. So as they would etch with plasma, then the dust that they just etched out would go into the plasma, make it dirty, and then when they turned the laser off, it would like fall back onto microchips. So there's ways to remove that dust, and so it started as like interactions on how to properly remove it in, in like an industry, but then it's also a non-invasive way to, um, it's a non-invasive probe in the plasma. So if you're putting in metal, that's turned, there's an electric field from it, and that naturally changes the plasma settings, but then the dust particles, it's self-contained. So with all of that, that's kind of where like the background of the um, dusty plasma field is. So most dusty plasma experiments on the ground, the dust is a 2D layer, and so the benefits of being in microgravity is it can expand a full 3D system. And so that 3D system, they're no longer compressed. There's different interactions that you can actually view because the micro or because gravity masks a bunch of hidden forces usually. So if you don't have gravity there, the magnitude of other forces naturally can be like elaborated on. So now, as you're getting your project finished, what are the things you have to do now? Because you already <laughs> worked at the International Space Station. So now what is left in your PhD project? Because it seems kind of crazy yeah. that now you have to like finish it and you were already working with <laughs> the like the peak of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so got to wait around for three months for the data to come back. Um, and then I'll analyze it, and then we're hoping to do another experiment as kind of half follow-up, half testing another concept that still relates to the whole thermal energy of the dust clouds question. Um, and so, yeah, so now wait a little bit, and then analysis, and then repeat the process. Now, what we wanted to do was to ask you if you could explain the experiment and kind of mm -hmm. the physics behind it. Why did you do all this, and where will it take you? PK4 stands for Plasma Crystal, German Crystal, uh, 4. Um, and so there have been multiple iterations of it. So it is a microgravity experiment, and it is a German and Russian collaboration. And there are several Americans, Dr. Thomas being one of them, um, who are on the, I think it's called the Scientific External Advisory Board for it. So, like, he kind of helped evaluate it and make sure the physics goals of the dusty plasma community are being represented on this experiment. Our experiment, we walked into the control room, kind of, like, got settled, and then they started the script, and to, like, start the experiment, there's probably, like, 10 minutes of setup before the astronauts actually come on. And so then the astronaut, sorry, cosmonaut, it, it was one of the Russians. So um, the main, I guess, like, liaison to speak to the astronaut, cosmonaut, once we were ready, he, like, requested to actually speak to him. Like, there's a separate line that they have to, like, get. And so then they talked to him, and then we were like, okay, you can start when you're ready. Um, and then once he started it, we're like, that was good. See you in 15 minutes for our next one. Like, so he just like clicks go, clicks capture, and then walks away. And then we like do all of our stuff. So we had to like change the camera settings and figure out where we wanted to capture our data. data. And so then the script just ran and we watched it. Um, they were all laughing at me because I had the script memorized like down to the second. So I was like, now, like, 
that goes back to the band stuff. Like, it was just memorized. And I was like, and basically was like, you were conducting the experiment. I was like, yeah, well, <laughs> okay. Now, the entire experiment took place in the microgravity lab, which is in the International Space Correct. Station. Yeah. So I have, I'll send you some pictures. We have a, at Cadmos, they have a replica model of what is actually on the space station. So we actually got to see, like, where PK-4 is and stuff like that, on like, in the module. So I have a picture of me playing with it. And then, yeah, there, there's some good pictures. Ed did well for you. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> um, and so then... Yeah, so then we were in Mission Control actually running the scripts, but the there's like a slight, you know, space. There's a time delay. Um, but then we were able to watch the scripts and change settings as needed. And then we repeated our experiment three times with different pressures. And so for each pressure, we had to have the cosmonaut recapture it. So then he would come back 15 minutes later and he'd be like, hello again, please repeat the process. And yeah, it was pretty cool. And then once we were done, I was like, okay, we'll get the data in three months. Done. And so in then three months, will you just get data files or? Yeah. So I believe most experiments on the space station are able to get their data within like a few days of it. Ours, however, since we have videos of the dust particles, I think our experiment was along 300 gigabytes of data. Oh, wow. So that's not able to be downlinked. So our data actually will be put on a hard drive and shipped down with whoever the next astronaut or cosmonaut is to come back down. Wow, so you get a personal delivery yes. of your data. <laughs> yeah. That is so yeah. cool. So then it goes back to Cadmos since it's from the Cadmos module. Um, and then it has to be validated by the actual experimental team that runs PK4 and then they'll they'll just like either put it to where we can download it from them which would still take a very long time to get it from Germany to here on like some box like box or Dropbox or something wouldn't work very well but um so we'll either do that or if it lines up with a conference that we're all going to go to they could just give it to you we'll then, just like, like on a hard drive swap hard drive CD yeah, yeah. so there's options. We're waiting to see when the actual, like, bring down date will be to see if it lines up with a physical swap or a <laughs> just click go on a computer and let it sit for a week <laughs> transfer. Definitely. Oh, yeah. That's so exciting. And yeah. then after that, you'll continue your PhD project mm-hmm. and you'll analyze the data. I'll analyze the data. And then based on whatever results we find from it, we, so I've, like I said, there's a screen capture video that I have. So I've kind of already marked timestamps of specific areas I want to look at once the data comes so I can just like hit the ground running with it. And then based on those results, we want to propose another experiment and keep going with it. And then we kind of want to like put a new twist on it. Once you did this experiment, mm-hmm. what are you hoping that the data is going to tell you and share and give you insight about? There's been weird stuff, so I don't really know what it's going to show. But, um, so we're hoping that, so there's several ways we can approach our data. There is a ground data versus microgravity data um, path. And so naturally, so the 
experiment was run with the exact same code, exact same settings on our ground test module, which like validates the script before it's sent to the space station and then actually run on the space station. So we have two sets of data and we can compare what the differences are. The biggest one that we already saw without even getting the data back was that the clouds split up even though it's all injected at one time. Um, and then there's also waves that occur and waves are always a concern in the dusty plasma community. Um, there's a bunch of types of waves and so the so there were some waves on the ground that we didn't see in space and so those waves are produced by gravity. If you were to talk to somebody, um, say a family member, and you were mm -hmm. telling them what is the benefit of your project, how would you relate that to somebody who maybe doesn't know physics? If you were trying to explain a little bit about this project, what would yeah. you say to them? It's a basic plasma physics experiment, so it truly helps um, discover the underlying physics in plasma. So plasma has three components with the neutrals, the ions, and the electrons, and but you can't see that. You can't see those individually. It just creates one big plasma system. And there's different diagnostics that can find different things. But by putting dust particles in it, um, they are, yes, you're introducing a fourth body, but it's one self-contained thing. So by tracking the dust particles with some cameras, you can reverse that data, reverse the position data to get um, balance of forces to figure out what forces are going on with the dust particles and interacting with the dust particles to truly figure out the whole system. Now, with this being your PhD project, what is that hoping, what are you hoping to be able to do with this PhD project to take you to accelerate your career? Where would you like to go with that? Do you think that in your career you would want to stay in the dusty plasma area? For sure, plasma. I would like to stay in dusty plasma, but don't really want to limit myself because it is a smaller community. Um, so going to the more broad plasma community could open more opportunities for me. But, yeah. What kind of careers? Um, besides being a academic mm -hmm. career, I'm mm -hmm. just wondering, what other careers is that um, relatable to? I'm just wondering, like, if people were wondering, well, what could you do with this kind of research, mm -hmm. what kind of things would you be able to work on? So there's a bunch of plasma applications. Um, so obviously the big one right now is fusion, um, fusion reactors, no, experiments. Yeah, fusion experiments. Um, trying to get fusion as an um, energy source that's the shots are long enough to that it can be self-sustainable. Um, there's space plasma that's solar winds and how the um, sun, a lot of it's like sun and the magnetic fields around the earth and solar space, space weather. There we go. Um, so that's plasma. Then there's also a big industry application with plasma right now that's starting. Um, we're actually creating one here. It's an atmospheric pressure plasma jet, APPJ. Um, and so the jet is created just by ionizing air and with really high voltages. That's fun to play with. Um, <laughs> and so using that, you can treat seeds because the air is nitrogen. So basically the plasma almost infuses 
a fertilizer basically it's just infusing that nitrogen into the seeds so there's better growth with the seeds that have been plasma treated um there's plasma processing on poultry so we're actually going to start collaborating with a poultry professor here um so yeah there's a bunch of plasma applications there's obviously like government contract kind of things um Lots of stuff. No, your answer is awesome. Lots of options. Now, while you were in France, was there mm-hmm. anything during that day was kind of your favorite part of the experiment? Being on the microphone floor, it was cool. So the astronauts couldn't hear us. There was kind of a contact that talked to the, sorry, the cosmonaut couldn't hear us. He talked to one of the other, one of the, like, main French people at Cadmos. Um, and so... But we could hear that conversation. We could hear um, one of the other physicists who was in Moscow, since this is a Russian collaboration. Um, So he's also in the Dusty Plasma community. He helped build this experiment, but he couldn't come to France. So he just was like, hey, Moscow, I'm going to come step in and just get on this, like, telephone or, like, mic line. So we were talking to him about the experiment. And then, um, so the entire experiment, so I have a video recording of our whole experiment with all of the settings and stuff right now. It's really low resolution, so I can't do much with it, but it's still really cool to see. And the whole time, um, anytime somebody spoke into the headsets, it goes along with the recording. So like you can see what the conversations were as settings were changing and stuff like that. So that was the whole fun, and I got to steal a headset from Ed and Jeremiah. So oh. <laughs> they were like, yeah, it's her PhD project. She could be on headset. And I was like, yes. Oh, that's great. So it was cool. That's very cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, when you were recording, uh, when you were actually working with them, was there anything during the experiment that stood out to you? Like, this is like a career changer, or this is something that I'll always remember? Definitely that I'll always remember. Um, I mean, I don't, the whole day was amazing. There's not really one specific point that stood out. I mean, if something had gone wrong, that would have been very obvious, but it, it was all successful. So, like, overall, it was just, like, an awesome day that we would, like, Got to do science and got to do it on the space station. So, why do you think physics is such a great fit for you? Why do you enjoy it so much? Um, I like math, but I like applying math to the real world. And so, to be able, I mean, <laughs> so one day when we were exploring France, we were just walking around and there was this fountain and it was like shooting out of a wall. And I was like, that would be a great physics problem. And like went and took pictures of it. <laughs> so like just seeing like physics in the real world, real world is really interesting. Um, but yeah, he just took pictures and was like, that's going to show up on my next test. <laughs> and I was like thinking the same thing, but I also was like, I'm not a professor. I don't need these pictures yet. Like. I would have done the same thing in 10 years, probably, yes. <laughs> now, you said that you would love to be a professor of physics. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that that, why do you have the passion for that? If somebody is thinking like, well, I really like math, I like applying math, but maybe I'm not, that's not for me, what would you tell them? I like the idea of being a professor because I really like teaching I'm from a huge family of teachers. I don't want to give up teaching, but I also really love research. So that's why I would pick being a professor versus like a high school physics teacher. Um, Because then you get teaching and research opportunities. You said that you were from a big family Mm -hmm. of teachers. Um, Tell me a little bit about your your background and that connection to teaching. 
two of my four cousins plus some um, spouses and my aunt and uncle and my parents are all teachers. So there's a bunch of us. <laughs> so what were your parents' teachers in? Music. <laughs> yep. They don't know where this came from at all. <laughs> so what kind of music teachers were they? Were they high school? My or? mom is a middle school music teacher, and my dad started off as a college band director and is now an associate dean of an arts college. Oh, very yeah. nice. So kind of thought, always thought about a professor from that angle because I just grew up with him being a professor. So always had teachers around and then just always grew up on college campuses with dad. And then the plasma just kind of happened it for you. Just it happened. just Yep. So I went to Baylor and from day one I was a physics major. And then um, we had a research class and so we had to like join with a professor for a semester or something like that. And so I just picked my favorite professor and she happened to be a dusty plasma physicist. Like, I didn't pick it for the research. There were plenty of research opportunities. And then, so I kind of picked it for her and then just kept going with it and learned that I loved the community. So, well, yeah. If you, if you were talking to somebody who definitely loved math and mm-hmm. said, I don't know where to go with this, but I think that physics might be for me, but maybe I'm not sure, what advice would you give them? Try it out for a semester and see what happens. Go past introductory physics the introductory physics can be overwhelming because there's so many other students and you don't really get face time with the professor um so I liked it I kind of stayed with it because the professors were so open and just like even if it wasn't office hours like you're hanging out in the building doing homework. They walk by the office and they're like, oh, do you need, like, and you just, like, yell at them through the hall and they're like, oh, yeah, I'll come help you. Like, that's always been my experience with Baylor in here is the professors are very open. They're very helpful. Um, And so you get, and since physics is usually a smaller department, it's more face time with the professors, smaller ratios, if that matters. What do you think is the benefit of that in the Department of Physics? Because we are smaller. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people might say, well, engineering might offer more. But here you have that connection, and that's very different. Yeah, so I think here specifically, for grad school at least, you kind of come in with a general subfield that you want. So like plasma or solid state, those are the two big ones here, or AMO, atomic molecular optical physics. So you have at least some general idea, and then from that you're able to start talking to the professors in that field and truly find who your best fit is for a graduate advisor, and then the opportunities just open up once you're in a group. And that's like, yes, my opportunity took me to the space station, but all my friends are doing really cool things in their respective subfields as well. Do you have any other um, examples of the connection with Ed Thomas? Is there anything else that maybe with insight or advice or mm-hmm. things that he shared with you that would be able to tell show people why this is so important? So I didn't even realize I was being recruited by him. <laughs> He's good at things like that. He's he good at hiding you it. You're like, well, how did I, I just show up? And I'm like, wait a second. Hang on here. Uh, so since I was in the Dusty Plasma community as, in an undergrad um, at the big plasma convention every year, 
he just like stopped by and was like, oh, hey. And we had had a conference here at Auburn the year before. So I'd already been to the campus and he just like talked to me and was like, so what's happened since May? And like as a grad student to actually have like one of the big names in your subfield like know about your research is pretty cool. And so then I just applied to Auburn and some other schools too, but like just on a whim, I was like, oh yeah, I'll add Auburn in there. And then I came to visit and I was like, wait. And he was like, hey, Lori, good to see you again, like on the actual visit. And I was like, you actually remember me? Like, okay. And then I just show up and I was like, thinking back on it, I was like, yeah, he recruited me like very subtly and it worked, (laughs) but okay. He's very good at that. He, He gets people to do a lot of things for him that way. Yep. Yep. So one other thing I was going to ask you was mm-hmm. about encouraging women in the field of physics. Um, if somebody was, and you had told them to try it, where do you think that could take them or what kind of skill set? What I was wondering was a lot of people say that with physics, it gives you the solid foundation to understand how things work, mm-hmm. and it gives you so much more than you would realize until you get there. Yep. And I was wondering, how would you say that? What kind of skills does having a degree in physics give you? So a degree in physics, I think, gives you a bunch of logic and critical thinking skills. Um, Even if you don't want to stay with physics, just starting off with a basic bachelor in science degree in physics, you don't have to go to grad school. You can go to straight to like software developments with like big social media companies, or you can go to the stock market or plenty of other things that people recruit physics majors because there is that extra critical thinking that you learn. Not going to lie, the classes are hard, but it develops you so far in an undergrad degree. Now, that's actually what someone told me. Um, I was speaking to someone, and they said that they had nothing to do with physics, and Mm -hmm. they said they loved a physics major because they said, I know the physics major knows more than just the math. They Mm -hmm. know everything behind it. How would you explain that? How would you say that you know what's behind than just saying, I know the math? So there's math, and there's proofs behind the math, but that's showing that the math works. But then there's physics, which is applying the math and you have to understand the math very well or else you're going to like go down some rabbit hole and it doesn't even work. So your basic math skills are there and developed so that the physics can be applied to real, real world applications. How does it just feel knowing that you work, you came here, you're a physics student, you worked with the International Space Station. How does it feel that this has just been such an amazing experience at Auburn University for you? It's incredible. And like I like I said earlier, I don't feel like it's it's just my PhD project. Like, yes, it's really cool, but on a day day to day basic, I'm like banging my head against all the data, like, why is this not working? So and Like, on a day-to-day basis, it's kind of, like, nothing, but then, like, when I take a step back, I'm like, wow, like, this is actually a really cool experience, and then for it to be all over social media, I'm like, I wasn't expecting this, but, like, when I go to see my friends, they're like, yeah, you've been all over my Facebook feed, and I'm like, yeah, wasn't expecting this, like, it's just my research, but okay. Okay.